What are you doing? Why are we having these conversations? What the hell am I doing here? Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. The perfect blossom is a rare thing. You could spend your life looking for one, and it would not be a wasted life. And Mason Kuzmich. Hey everybody, Drink of the Night is mostly Shock Top, but also Shiner Lemon Pills. Uh, Can I taste that drink? Sure. Oh, that beer is so old. Yeah, you're not going (laughs) to enjoy this, bud. Wait, like this specific beer is so old, or like this brand of beer is pretty this old? This specific that, that beer. bottle of beer. It's mostly yeah, beer no, with a little bit like of that. lemon. Yeah, still beer. Still I'm don't like sh- beer. I'm pretty sure that was the summer seasonal shiner last summer. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so, Quit drinking beer, Mason. Uh, anyways. Drink apple teenies. On today's episode, we're discussing The Last Samurai, a period action drama starring Tom Cruise as Captain Nathan Algren, whose personal and emotional conflicts bring him into contact with samurai warriors in the wake of the Meiji Restoration in 19th century Japan. What'd you guys think? So, all right. So what training I have as just a person is within anthropology. And what we have uh, when we're talking about different kinds of artistic expression of certain cultures a special representation within art um within the west there are two broad categories of stereotyping uh one being uh paternalism so things like uh think like white man's burden shit if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and uh exoticism which is more like fetishization or like um pocahontas uh, there, there's the entire movie Pocahontas. Oh, okay, sure. Um, but uh, think of like the the kind of like noble savage stereotype. Um, and this movie impressively does both. So it's it's fun. It's it's an interesting watch. Yeah, I have a take that's a lot dumber than that. Um, that was a smart take. Good take. Thanks. Um, my dumb take is that uh, this podcast I've been listening to, but TV podcasts that I like, they've split their feeds into uh, pulp stuff and prestige stuff recently. And I think that represents how I think about this now. Like the pulp stuff, like the fun stuff of the movie, this was fucking great. I love it. Oh, there yeah. There are like 10 katana fights, which is pretty much the only thing that I want out of a movie. It's beautiful. Like any movie. Like I think I just like Star Wars because of the lightsaber mm-hmm. fights mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, for the parts where you actually have to like think about like what is this movie trying to say and like what's the meaning of this movie i think i have a lot of issues there that i'll probably get into later Um, but in terms of the fun stuff this was this is great this is one of the best ones we've watched so far there were a lot of good things about this movie it was very well choreographed there was a lot of like very smartly done writing but like when ken watanabe when you get excellent work absolutely when you get into some of the weeds behind it though it's a little uh and i'll talk about this more as we go through it but like it's uh questionable at best anyway i'm gonna spend the whole podcast dunking on samurai oh okay well i didn't have as many problems as you guys did with this movie and all i'll say is that this movie did exceptionally well in japan so they didn't have problems with it either i mean that's fine (laughs) that's like so i'm okay with it okay i can't keep doing what you want to do hollywood i can't i mean there are a lot of commercially successful movies okay but here's the joker made a billion dollars and i don't think we can say well the americans didn't have any issues with the joker i will say uh, listen listen it does a lot of things about american culture but it kind of it kind of stereotypes it into uh the clown it stereotypes the clown culture not all of us are murder clowns okay that's like 30 percent of us at best right 
I will say one thing about that this movie does better than most uh, most uh, Hollywood movies that involve um, uh, people uh, uh, Asian people is that it actually cast Asian people and That's not a, it wasn't mm-hmm. a bunch of white people playing the samurai, which is something Hollywood has done in the past. Just so, one white person shoehorned into the story of the last samurai for some reason. He was loosely based on a real person. Who was in Japan like a decade and a half before. The, whatever. whatever. Said, we'll get into this. I you know said what? loosely. I'm actually, I'm here for the Tom Cruise character and how he was used in this movie. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I'll, I may offer a defense of that later. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that um, uh, this was a sentence that I definitely had thoughts for. And, uh, <laughs> I forgot uh-huh. about in the middle. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. we can uh-huh. just cool. carry on now. All right, you do that a lot. Anyways, uh, <laughs> let's get into our discussion of The Last Samurai. I have a lot of ne- neurological issues. <laughs> the Last Samurai. Former U.S. Army Captain Nathan Algren, a bitter alcoholic traumatized by the atrocities he committed during the American Indian Wars, is approached by his former commanding officer, Colonel Bagley, to train the newly created Imperial Japanese Army for a forward-thinking Japanese businessman, Amura, who intends to use the army to suppress a samurai-headed rebellion against Japan's new emperor. Despite his hatred of Bagley for his role in the Indian Wars, an impoverished Algren takes the job for the money and is accompanied to Japan by his old friend, Sergeant Zebulon Gant. Upon arriving, Algren meets Simon Graham, a British translator knowledgeable about the samurai. Hang on. Was Zeb's full name really Zebulon? Apparently. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> that, you know what? That character, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more with him. He was pretty, that was a Scottish guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was pretty cool. Zeb! <laughs> Zebulon, no! Oh, but yeah, no, oh, God. I mean, so far, so good. Uh, I guess the the, on, like, the only real historical quibble here is that the, the people that were uh, involved in this training of the new Imperial Army were more French. Um, we'll, well get to that in the trivia. Oh, oh. Russian, more than anything. Well, okay, but the, the character that... Uh, Actually, that, they were Welsh. The character... Tom Cruise's character was based more on a French officer yes. that was brought in. Yes. I get it, guys. We all watched the same YouTube Sent video. over by Napoleon Third. Anyway. Um, yeah, like, yes, this movie's not going to be 100% historically accurate. Everyone prepare yourselves now for that. Because Unless, it's made for Americans. Well, Americans. I mean, yeah, that's how Americans We're the Americans. <laughs> we like our spicy meatballs, just like a George Washington. <laughs> But no, I I, I have no Italian American <laughs> listeners anymore. I did enjoy the, uh, the the beginning of this movie. Just in, I, I like I like that they're starting out by calling out by essentially making uh making uh Tom Cruise's character's whole uh, background essentially about how bad he feels about the Indian Wars, mm-hmm. and then I like how they later just bring in Custer like he's a hero and just kind of roll with it. I mean, to their credit, he at least did not seem to consider Custer too much of a hero. No, that's he was true. like, "No, no, Custer's yeah, bad." Yeah, no, he, he actively called Custer a murderer. And Watanabe was like, oh, "Custer's pretty good." <laughs> he actively pretty called cool. Custer a murderer. Absolutely, 
But no, it, it was an, yeah, an Aldrin interesting was way to not on board with Custer. Yeah, yeah. No, interesting but, uh, way to segue into the, all this. Yeah, but uh, I liked the setup. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I like that he keeps talking about how the only job that he's good at is like fighting these native populations. But mm-hmm. it seems like he was doing a lot more massacring than fighting. You yeah. Know? Well, yes. And I like how he threatened an entire crowd of of Americans with a repeating rifle. That was fun. Yeah. Well, I mean. I mean, you kind of see in this in this next bit we're going to get to that you know, maybe he's uh, maybe he wasn't that good of a fighter. Maybe the Native Americans just weren't as good at combat as the samurai were, and maybe he was just killing women and children. Well, there's probably a lot of that too. Yeah, uh, Indian wars a- weren't good. Yeah, that, I mean that that did seem to be the implication of the flashbacks we saw. Yes. I don't know. He did pretty well against the samurai. I'm just going to throw that out there. Sure. I, I know mean, that like one on one, the samurai were better than him, but that's why they like him is because he was. I mean, you he, know, he definitely flailed around with that. He, he had a lot around of, with that spear a lot. Yeah, he, he killed multiple samurai. He had a lot of fight, but he still got his ass kicked. So that's true. But again, he killed multiple samurai. But it was also kind of implied that he didn't really care whether he lived or died, and generally that works in your favor in a life or death situation. He in, just, yeah. Can I just bring back to uh, Sergeant Zebulon? Yes, Zebulon Gant. Yes, Zebulon. Yeah, that's a normal name. Uh huh. Yeah, it's a normal Scottish name. Normal human name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Algren finds the Imperial soldiers are actually conscripted peasants that have no knowledge of firearms or battle. Earlier in their training, Algren is informed that the samurai are attacking one of Omura's railroads. Omura sends the army there despite Algren's protest that they are not ready. The battle is a disaster. The undisciplined conscripts are routed and Gant is killed. Algren fights to the last before he is surrounded. Expecting to, expecting to die, he is taken prisoner when samurai leader Katsumoto decides to spare him. Also important note, he kills a samurai in red armor. That is important. That is important to the plot of the movie. And Wikipedia did a terrible job putting that in. I mean, I did a terrible mm-hmm. job of putting <laughs> that in. Personally, when you wrote this and Donnie, I edited it. this is awful. You <laughs> should feel real bad about I this. I know. Are I rushed taking it? this podcast seriously? No. <laughs> All right. So th- this whole section is uh, interesting. And when I was talking about paternalism, this is kind of where it shines through the most. But the the, the whole idea behind that, um, just paternalism as a concept, is it's stereotyping another culture to like where they need European or, I, I guess, American influence to actually know what the fuck they're doing. Um, and that can be a number of things, whether or not it's people acting like savages or just people just being able to hold their own. And this is kind of an instance of that where... He's sort of supposed to train peasants, but they can't. They can't hold a battle line. They can't do the shit, which is silly because they've been using peasant musketeers since like the fifteen fucking hundreds in Japan. Once again, yeah, this movie is not historically accurate. Yeah, but okay, so so <laughs> it's extremely not historically accurate. Also, so, I'll say I think I mean they did. They hired a lot of like European like military experts and stuff like that. To, they did to to get this army trained. I know the timeline's a little off, like. By the time real life Tom Cruise got there, I think they like had the functioning army already, right? Well, okay, like, they'd already so, had a whole war with the samurai at that point. So the yeah. whole, I mean, or no war against the Shogun or something? I don't know. It was only one YouTube video. What do you expect of me? <laughs> well, that okay, fair enough. Um, what? So Tom this Cruise's YouTube video character, makes me an expert on Japanese history and culture. Tom Cruise's character is based on a French army officer that was sent over um, during the later years of the Tokugawa shogunate. Jacques Cousteau. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, not not accurate, but uh, well, uh, what was his Prove name? Prove me wrong. 
Uh, Jacques Cousteau. Uh, uh, once we get down to the trivia, you'll know. Quit stealing my trivia. Uh, Jules Brunet. God damn. Um, anyway, he he sided with the. Essentially, there was a there was a bit of a civil war called the Boshin War. Um, during this, shogunate uh, shogunate loyalists, which uh, Brunet was one of, uh, were fighting against forces loyal to the Meiji Emperor. And th- this is sort of the civil war that set off the Meiji Restoration. This was like the pre-war. Yes. The pre-war and then the actual war that this movie is based on, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so more or less what happened was the uh, the Japanese emperor and a bunch of loyalists kind of wanted to force out foreign influences and basically modernize but on Japan's terms. Um, and so a lot of European officers and there were a lot of French and Franco-Japanese officers sided with the shogun side of things. Um, and that's kind of where Tom Cruise's character comes from. It was, it was a fighter that fought on the side of the Shogun there. Um, they got defeated, and then the major restoration started to happen. So that's what actually happened. <laughs> yes, that was a very vague description of what happened. Yeah, um, but yeah, very different from what we see on screen. But you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a light, but, but light I, I guess, I mean, fiction. My, 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 my point more here is that. Um, is is that these these weren't and so part of the problem with something like this is that you know, like an American audience watches this and they don't really have any context for what Japan is or what Japan's history is and so they just assume oh these people never had guns before oh these people don't know essentially they treat them they they treat people in scenarios like this like they're incompetent savage barbarian whatever it is that the movie is portraying them as yeah that might be the bigger historical inaccuracy there is that they actually had both sides had firearms and were comfortable with using firearms and had been using mm-hmm. them for a long time and you, it wasn't you, that you know they, they did actually have these european experts there helping them um but right it was just the timeline has shifted well and there there is an instance in um so the uh the the rebel leader here um I don't remember his Ken name. Ken Watanabe. In the movie. Yes, Ken Watanabe. Quit stealing my trivia. But the the rebel leader's name, the the guy that he's Stop based it. on, is Saigo Sai- Takamori. I'm sorry. This this is actually it important. makes more sense in the episode. This is important to talk about as we go through this. Um, he was he was a leader of forces during what's known as the Satsuma Rebellion. And uh, based on the YouTube video that I watched, I've decided I don't like this guy. Okay, okay. No, not a fan. Well, he, he's an interesting character, but the, the interesting thing about, about this whole section with the, uh, with the peasants routing, essentially like breaking as the samurai charge them, is that there, there's a similar situation within the Satsuma Rebellion where they thought that the peasant forces would rout, but they didn't. Like, they, they tried to besiege a castle. The castle was mostly depended by, defended by um, peasant forces, forces drawn from the peasantry. Um, they expected them to break after a few assaults, but like they held multiple days and the, uh, and Takamori's forces did end up having to withdraw. I guess the interesting thing here being that what they're saying here about the Japanese, even the Japanese peasantry just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't line up. 
And so I think that's just a consequence of the flip side of what they're doing. I think the, the romanticizing is more of the issue here. So you want to romanticize sure. the samurai. In order to do that, you can't be like, well, just like in real life, every time the samurai show up, they get fucking murdered in the battle and they lose all their battles and then they all die. Um, you have to have the samurai seem like they're doing better. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so in order I mean, to do the, that, you have to make the, the movie never. Army the movie never content. really made much of a claim that they were sticking with history. I didn't get that at least. Uh, I know. I, well, even when I first watched it back when I was younger, I never really assumed that was. I assumed it, Hollywood took some liberties because they like to do that, you know. I I was pretty aware the samurai weren't, you know, out in the their farmland, you know, practicing with katanas and you know living the simple life and everything. That they were more modern. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the 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 issue then comes in is just there, there, there's a problem. You you might assume that, and you'd be right, but it's set in a more or less realistic historical framework. And when people don't understand, people don't have a background in a particular historical framework, they might just assume, okay, well that's how things were. Okay, that this was a war fought to you know maintain the supremacy of the sword versus the firearm. Yeah, that's always it, a question. It is, with, it is definitely like a romanticization thing. Yeah, um, and that, that's definitely always a question with historical fiction. I guess is like you know how much are you going to stick to to what actually happened versus like how much are you going to change it for like you know narrative simplicity or whatever. Which I think they went right. in this route. I think there's a there could be a world where you could make an interesting movie about this conflict that that is actually about you know, what actually happened. It could I mean, be interesting, but it, I would, would, I would, it would be a very different movie. I mean, I would, I would argue yeah. if you, if you really did this, you know, all this, this rebellion or whatever accurately, it, it would not be as entertaining of a movie. I mean, the story itself fell. Just be a bunch of guys killing samurai. It'd just be two groups of people shooting at each other and one of them getting like fucking killed really easily. Like. The story itself held enough held enough uh, interest within Japanese culture for the uh, the this guy Saigo Takamori to be referred to as the last true samurai. Like it's not it's not like it's an uninteresting situation. It's not like it's an un. Uh, I mean, there there may be a there may be the a, a thing the fact that this is an American movie and you know when Americans think of samurai they think of what we got in this film so having a movie of samurai where they're shooting guns while historically accurate you know that's not going to do well in the box office you know you got when you're making movies you have to think about stuff like that so yeah this I mean I guess this yes. isn't historically so the- ina- this isn't historically accurate if you want historical accuracy. It, that's what documentaries are for. I mean, unf- that is un- an unfortunate thing about Hollywood. It's kind of hard to make. The movie accurate- does assume that American audiences are too dumb to follow shit. Well, I mean, you, if if I went to go see, I mean, from a logical standpoint, I know the samurai weren't exactly like they were in this movie, and that they were modern. But if I see a movie that's talking about samurai, and I go and see it, and they're walking around in military uniforms and shooting guns, I'm going to be really confused. Even though logically I know that, but like from a fictional standpoint, that's just how it's always been. So, I mean, I don't really have a problem with Hollywood. Taking so, so like reinforce that. stereotypes. That's what we're saying here, folks. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's definitely not historically accurate. I agree with that. That's not my actual problem with the, the movie. Um, I get okay. a lot more confused whenever I think about like what the movie's trying to do versus like it kind of blows my mind. I, I would be interested to see like a more. Uh, historically grounded version of the story because it's an interesting sure. story. But then, even like when I think about it, I'm like, I don't know. Like, what would you, who would your point of view characters be? And like, I don't know that there's, 
a lot of sides that would seem very sympathetic, especially to like a Western audience. And I mean, yeah, that's fair. It would be interesting. We'll talk about it more as we get into what actually happened. Uh, all right, here's uh, here's about three sentences that cover about half the movie. Uh, Algren <laughs> is taken really fucked uh, up on this one, Donnie. Yeah, Algren is taken to Katsumoto's village to live among his family. While he is poorly treated at first, he eventually gains the samurai's respect and actually becomes friends with Katsumoto. Algren overcomes his alcoholism and guilt and learns the Japanese language and culture. He develops sympathy for the samurai who are upset that the pace of modern technology has eroded the traditions of their society. Algren and Taka, Katsumoto's sister, and the widow of a samurai killed by Algren, develop an unspoken affection for each other. Unspoken, because they hardly ever speak to each other. They mostly just kind of live in the same house and then make out at some point. Yeah, do they bang later? I forget. Uh, I think it's implied. Okay. They totally bang, right? That's we- This is one of the weirdest fucking things that this movie tries to do. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. So I think th- this I don't is like it. when I'm talking about exoticism. This is what I mean by that. This is kind of the fetishization of it, right? This is where you start to see like a very idealized image of particular like bushido and the, the sort of like uh, Japanese what they would call samurai culture and all yeah. that. Well, I mean, um, I, I this is I guess this is less of like. S- maybe stereotyping as it is taking what that Japanese culture was actually like and just shifting it way up into the future after they had already modernized. Cause Japanese culture, like you watch Japanese actual Japanese movies and stuff like that. Like it was a lot like this. Like there, there's at, some of that at, at, at one point in time, not at this point in time, at this point in time, they were more modern, but you know, that's, that's just them. Right. You and know, taking some liberties with the timeline there. So. That, that does kind of go back to Andrew's thing about uh, romanticizing. I think romanticizing the the whole. I think that's a lot of what's happening here, and I think that some of it is, you know, trying to obviously give parallels to this character. I mean, it's it's the uh, I don't know every movie that mirrors the plot of this movie. You dances with wolves, or Mm -hmm. um, you know, Pocahontas has a lot of stuff. But it's you know, even with his character, there's a lot of parallels with the whole like, oh, Native Americans living this, you know. This this tribal life, this more simple life versus the modern American military, and you know I think they just um, right the uh, the they, they noble lose, savage they they the, the... lose a lot of the nuance and that's that's part of what confuses me with this movie is that it seems like he's equating these two things and it's just like I don't know you were just like slaughtering people you were yeah. slaughtering like women and children well I you mean, know in America we as Americans like, have a lot of uh, nostalgia for the people we've killed yes I mean, well yeah. That's it's true. Kind of, it's a lot of our movies, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the part part of that may also re- be the current like generations looking back and realizing that that was. I mean, so, some some movies do kind of, I guess, romanticize the American side of that yeah. thing. But there are more, a lot more movies nowadays where it kind of does like this movie does, where it kind of talks about the fact that that was kind of fucked up. Yeah. The shit that we were doing and stuff like that. So, right. yeah. you know, yeah. I, 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 I like movies like that because it, it, it's, I mean, that's the whole thing about history is that why it's important to know is because you look back and see the atrocities committed so you don't repeat that. Sure. That type of deal. Not that that's always been super successful, but. We try. Yeah. We try. I, some of us do. <laughs> exactly. We, we the, the, uh, the, the, the ones who actually have power, not so much, but you well, know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a different podcast, right? 
Now, I, I do think one one of the things that uh, that bugged me about this um, this whole segment, and a lot of this movie, honestly, is they treat, and this may kind of go back to how they're simplifying things, but they treat the samurai like they're a specific subset of people, like they're a specific culture within Japan, mm-hmm. versus the, the samurai were like a class, right? They were they were a specific warrior class, or kind of like a nobility level class of people mm-hmm. um versus like oh there were whole th- these were the samurai villages versus these were the i don't know whatever the meiji peasants It'd be like bastard you, villages if who, you had a medieval movie and there's like a village that was just a bunch of knights yeah and everybody's a knight every single person in that village is a knight well okay so but nobody else has any knights yes so like the, the, this movie honestly watching it it's like almost if like think if uh, if they had the same setup, the same premise setting up, uh, where okay, you're going to go and you're going to train these people fighting a fighting a rebellion of people who are just very stuck to the old ways. But the the place that they were sent to, the island nation that they were sent to, was Great Britain, and uh, the and it's just like a night. The the first encounter, you just see these people in fucking full plate charging a, a line of like napoleonic infantry or whatever i like it like that that's sounds really cool seems like they they would would lose though yeah i mean but that's kind of what this movie is right definitely (laughs) i mean you did get the one i guess more probably historically accurate samurai in that one samurai that was part of the japanese imperial army Mm -hmm. like that's probably more of how a lot of samurai were like you know not dressing in the uh i don't know the names of the fucking outfits yeah no i old traditional japanese outfits and stuff like that like kimonos and shit like they were probably more dressed like that guy was yeah well i mean it it was an interesting it was interesting situation because like you had a bunch of people who were i think like the term was kind of ex-samurai basically but you had a bunch of people who were like it, it was it was again it was a whole class of people so it was people who were kind of losing their status losing their particular status because it was sort of a leveling phenomenon right mm-hmm. um er, early on firearms had been firearms were important because like they were very easy to train people on like you, you could essentially just give a peasant a rifle and they could kill someone as effectively as someone who trained years with a bow or a sword but at this point in history um, rifles became dominant. There was really no reason to wield any other kind of weapon on the battlefield. And so you started seeing, like, the... Tell that to that dude who killed people with a bow and arrow in World War Two. No, like, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's true, but what? why do you think that that hasn't really happened since then? Because people are cowards. Sure. Yeah, fucking <laughs> coward. No, that was one of my thoughts of this movie, is they have that whole part where he's mad at that guy for not being a good marksman. He's not mad at him. He's saying he's, that they're not ready for battle yet. Because ex- yeah, um, he, was, he wasn't a yeah, good marksman. Trying to prove his point in a um, very terrible way. And I feel like, I could be wrong about this. I'm not a Civil War expert, but my the picture I have in my head of how like the civil war battles worked is like, you didn't need to be very accurate with your guns because oh, there yeah. wasn't really a way to be very accurate with them. You just need to get a whole lot of people in a line firing them and want to use again at hits. Yeah. The, the, the whole it's, point, it's a, a numbers game and a positioning game. Right. I mean, the whole point was to fire volleys, not necessarily to have like a shitload of, of very accurate snipers. Like if yeah. you had, if you had three lines of like, like 20 men each who were very accurate snipers, the other side wouldn't exist. I mean, right? You, because yeah, you, you could, could wipe probably, them in one shot. Are these guys using muskets or were they using like, uh, or not muskets exactly, but uh, do they have lever action rifles? Uh, so, the okay, are we talking, 
in it, in the movie, I think they were essentially meant to be holding, starting like lever action or some kind of repeater rifles. Okay. Um, within the actual historical context, um, the Shogunate side, the side that Tom Cruise's character would have fought for, would have had smoothbore guns, so muskets. Versus the Meiji sides okay. rifles. So I think if they if they had it, lever action rifles in this movie, maybe you'd be more at like trying to aim those guns instead well, of it, just yeah. That was ball. actually a piece of trivia that I didn't put in because it was really long and complicated. But talking about brands of guns that I didn't know anything about, but uh, basically that's saying that at the beginning of the movie when he's actually with them before he gets captured by the samurai, they are using like an older style guns, uh, remnants from civil war era, probably so, stuff that smooth bore. Yeah. So that things America are, had provided, even though that's not a thing right. um, from the leftover from the civil war. And then by the time he gets back and they're fully trained, they're actually using rifles that would have been mm-hmm. what they were using during that time, like lever action. Right, yeah. like repeater rifles and stuff like that. So yeah, well, I mean, and the armament thing is not going to be historically accurate, regardless, because again, like the side that um, Jules Bernay fought on had Gatling guns. Jacques Gusteau. Yes, yeah. ha- had Gatling guns. So like when the Gatling guns open up at the end, like both sides would have had those. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's definitely an artistic thing. It's just when it, when it melds with. I guess when it melds with uh, the the sensibility where a lot of people in this country really don't know shit about other countries, hmm. it again people people rely on what they've seen to kind of inform the way they think about other people. Hmm. Well, back to the actual movie. Um, yeah. I actually. This is actually my favorite part of the movie, the part where he's just boo, boring part of the movie. Boo. I mean, you could argue sword fights. You could argue boring part, but I don't know. I, I whether boo, whether or not attacks. whether or not this is how the samurai actually lived during this time period or not. I did enjoy him gradually. Again, the samurai were class, not a uh, not a people. Y- yes. Okay, Mason. Uh, that's that's an important aspect. Okay, whatever. Anyways, historical inaccuracies aside, I enjoyed his, like, slowly, like, changing his mindset about how they lived and learning how to fight with, you know, fight with katanas and learning Japanese language and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. And I think Tom Cruise does good. Good. I've said this before. When he has to make, like, a really subtle character change over a period of time, he's, that's something he excels at. And I think this is an example of that in a mostly action movie. Which, yeah. yeah, he was know, good at that. And I feel like later he, on in his filmography and even some of the movies already watched that are just pure action, you don't really get a lot of that character development. And I, I enjoyed that this kind of blended his uh, his acting ability to do that that kind of subtle character development with fucking katana fights and, you know battles and shit so right yeah tom cruise has a real eat pray love moment here yeah he uh, learns yeah, a just, lot about himself <laughs> yeah from another yeah. culture um, live love laugh um <laughs> so uh yeah no i don't love this portion because i'm mostly here for the sword fights as you know um but yeah no tom cruise was great in this you're right his solid character shift just shifts were good i also liked uh ken watanabe a lot in mm-hmm. this portion i think this is where uh, he kind of shined the most also and uh ken watanabe's only oscar nomination was from this movie oh he was nominated for this yep, for best Holy sporting actor shit. yeah, yeah it's his only Man, one i was today. about to dunk on this movie and be like it's not a movie that would win any oscars but it's lots know. of yeah he got nominated um, wow um which i think is fair he was very good I mean, stop scratching. We're recording. Don't, now, don't <laughs> say that. Now it's a lot harder to edit around. Dogs. No, I'm just leaving dogs, it in. Dogs. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, anyway. Dog noises. 
So, um, <laughs> there is a case to be made, and I haven't decided if I'm going to make it yet, that this is a, a good version of Point Break, a movie which I famously hate. Hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that sells me the most on this movie, as opposed to Point Break, is that I really, their relationship clicked for me. And Was it, made, it when Ken Watanabe jumped on the on the surf at the end and just like dove into the went went to ride the last wave? Uh, no, that didn't happen. But he did <laughs> commit suicide at the end of the movie to avoid dishonor, much like Patrick Swayze. Um, but uh, their relationship, I think, it worked a lot more for me, and it made a lot of sense to me. And they were, are both great actors, and yeah. there's a lot of chemistry between I mean, them. Do it you was, think? Really uh, do you think maybe it more maybe made more sense this time around in that Tom Cruise's character? was on Ken Watanabe's side at the end, as opposed to Point Break, where Keanu kind of jumps back over to the FBI side. So that's bit, one thing that know? would be cool, is what if Point Break ended with them in a shootout against the FBI, right? Oh, then it's Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah, well, well I think it might have I solved mean, some of the issues with that movie, is that the FBI seemed to fucking suck in that movie. Well, that's yeah. also, that, I mean, that's kind of what happened. Like, I know there's a lot of comparisons with a lot of people between Point Break and Fast and the Furious, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's another difference with the ending, is that... Uh, Paul Walker's character yes. kind of ended on this. I mean, they sort of had a butting heads moment, but mm-hmm. he, at the end, he, you know, tossed the keys to Dom and let him drive away, and they were, yeah. you know, they were cool. So exactly, know. that's that's my argument always. For I understand the Fast and the Furious, strictly speaking, probably not a better movie than Point Break. <laughs> but my argument for why I enjoy Fast and the Furious more than Point Break is that it makes their relationship makes more sense. You feel like Dom has a point. Mm-hmm. And you can see how Paul Walker would have been swayed by that point. And similarly here, even though like when I think about Ken Watanabe's point, the more I think about it, the less sense it makes to me. It makes sense to me that Tom Cruise's character would find this lifestyle very appealing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, I've been a soldier in a way that like was really horrific and was just about murdering innocent people and doing whatever the government wanted us to do. But you guys actually have standards of your own and you take this seriously and you know, you have yeah, like this honor code. Yeah. I was about to say, there's actually like an honor be appealing to him. There's actually yeah. like an honor to combat with them as opposed to like someone like his previous Colonel Bagley who ordered his troops to fire on women and children yeah. and stuff like that. You know, that's something that you probably wouldn't see these people doing. Yeah. Sure. So in the context of the movie, I know. No, 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 no. I, I know, I know. And um, I guess to to bring that to what I was saying, I feel like I'm ruining it by bringing the shit up. But um, when when I when I talking about exoticism, like this is the kind of like th- th- that's sort of where the the fetishization comes in, right? Like the defining another culture by what they can teach us by by what what they are to us is sort of where where that comes in, but. Um, when when y'all were talking about the the honor system, it it made me think of like the whole the whole conversation in the movie around like uh, seppuku, the uh, the ritual suicide. Mm. Um, that was uh, they made a huge point of this in the movie, and I don't necessarily. It does seem odd to us in modern times, I guess. But around the same time period, that was a pretty common thing, not just... I mean, obviously, we didn't have a whole ritualized system in in the West where people got beheaded, but, like, there are... I was just listening to a story recently about um, about a battle during the Revolutionary War. Oh, no, it was a little after the Revolutionary War in the U.S., uh, where, losing side, there was a guy who was wounded who said, 
go on and basically just requested an officer's pistol so he could shoot himself in the head um, instead of dragging down. Like, suicide to not be captured by the enemy was a pretty common thing. And that was the main thing that seppuku was used for. Hmm. It was mostly a matter of, um, well, I don't want to be captured by the enemy. And then A, tortured, B, used as a hostage, whatever else. Um, and then I think there were other instances where it was used as a matter of like, uh, it was used to like, as like a capital punishment thing. Um, and then obviously there was a, there was like an honor aspect to it at some point too, mm-hmm. but it was mostly, mostly, especially for samurai used as a, as a matter of not being captured by the enemy. Hmm. Yeah. They, they went out of their way to make it seem weird in this movie, which I thought was a weird thing in and of itself. I still think it's pretty weird. Um, <laughs> but um, I also think with Tom Cruise's character, one of the things that I appreciated with it is that, you know, again, you have, you know, this plot line plays out in, you know, a million different movies. Um, and in a lot of them, you have the character is positioned specifically as a white savior, um, mm-hmm. which they just, they don't, at, at no point do they do that with Tom Cruise. Like, he's not that for the Imperial Army because he doesn't end up training them. Mm-hmm. And he's not that for the samurai. He just ends up being an observer the whole time. He's basically a guy who's like, well, I have my own personal issues and I'm kind of learning from this culture, but mostly I'm watching this historical moment play out and none of it hinges on him. Yeah. Um, other than his, like, uh, he That's like, true. led the rescue effort to save Kim Watanabe. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not like yeah. the samurai won at the end because they had... The white guy with them, right? right. Well, exactly. Like, and okay, so so the part where he where he rescues Ken Watanabe's character, that's like it, it's an entirely fictional moment. So like whatever, like you have shit happen. Yeah. Um, they did have a march. Again, we're getting in uh, probably a bit more into the history than people might want, but um, they did have a march towards Tokyo. That was kind of the, during the Satsuma Rebellion. That was what was going on as they were m- making their way up. But they never actually made it to Tokyo. This is this is sort of like imagining it as though they made it to Tokyo for like council meetings and whatever. And right, then, right. Yeah. But no, it's it's a good like that little fight there is really solid and they do a lot with that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh one night a group of ninjas infiltrate the village and Ninja. attempt to We we did get kind of ahead. Yes. Yeah, we're 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 back. Uh, Tom Cruise. We're not in Tokyo. We're still in the village or whatever. But anyways, one night a group of ninjas infiltrate the village and attempt to assassinate Katsumoto. Algren saves Katsumoto's life and then helps defend the village. Katsumoto requests a meeting with Emperor Meiji and is given safe passage to Tokyo. He brings Algren, intending to release him. Upon arriving in Tokyo, Algren finds the Imperial Army is now a well-trained and fully equipped fighting force. Katsumoto, to his dismay, discovers that the young and inexperienced emperor has essentially become a puppet of Omura. At a government meeting, Omura orders Katsumoto's arrest for carrying a sword in public and asks him to commit seppuku to redeem his honor. Algren refuses us. Wait, uh, Algren refuses Omura's offer to lead the new army to crush the rebels due to his sympathy. Omura sends assassins to kill Algren, but Algren kills them, and then assists the samurai in freeing Katsumoto. Uh, in the process, Katsumoto's son, Nobutada, is mortally wounded, sacrificing himself to allow the others to escape. All right. Here's my biggest problem with this whole movie. Yep. You are the guy with the guns. Uh-huh. You're trying to kill the samurai guy. Send guys with guns. Come on. He made that same mistake twice. <laughs> First, he sent ninjas to kill them, okay. which was a really fucking cool scene. But of course, they win because they're the samurai. And then you send four guys to kill Tom Cruise and you don't give anybody a gun. 
You're I the mean, gun guy. Yeah. I mean, shoot him. To be, to be, I mean, that doesn't make sense logically, but also sort of in that guy's defense, but not really. Um, you kind of assume Tom Cruise is going to lose that fight anyways. I guess. Because you don't know that he's and it was a really master level swordsman cool. now. Yeah, he's like, sure. I can fight three assassins that now, are maybe not samurai. I couldn't tell. Did Did any of you read the, uh, the Magic Treehouse books when you were kids? Uh, yes, Moonstone, Mango, Mammoth Bone, yes. Mouse. I just when when I was watching this, I just like the the bit in like it was one of the first couple books where they talk about how the samurai and the ninja are natural enemies, essentially. Okay. Like flash into my fucking head, and it was it was like it was a really entertaining flashback to my childhood. But I'm like this doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was cool. It was, it was a really very cool. cool scene. It was a very cool scene. I really enjoyed Nobutada as well as a character. We didn't really talk about him too much before, but I mean, he, he didn't have a ton guy? of a role. He, yeah, he was. Well, I mean, he, oh, he's he, like the second in command guy, right? Yeah. Well, he's he's Katsumoto's son. Yeah, and he's kind of oh. he's he's the one who was living in the house with them. You know, when he's when he asked for more soup or whatever in Japanese, he's the one sitting next to Tom Cruise is like oh, freaking gotcha. out and okay. is trying to show him more. No, Japanese I was thinking of the guy who and, taught Tom Cruise. Oh, the Katana stuff. No, the the guy who like hated Tom Cruise longer than everybody else. Yeah. No, that I don't know his name, but that guy's I don't actually don't even know. Awesome. His, uh, yeah, he was like he was like the, I guess more of in charge of like the army side. Yeah. Where Katsumoto was in tar- in charge of the entire village, he was in mm-hmm. charge of the military. I guess he yeah. was like their number one samurai fighter, warrior, whatever you want to call it. Gotcha. Yeah. A guy who I think got shortchanged in this movie. But I mean, he that's had, only that's only because of a historical character. I'm assuming he was. I mean, spoilers to the next paragraph. When he dies, it's pretty badass. He takes out a shit ton of people. Yeah. So. No, we'll we'll talk about him again. I think. Or did he make it to the Gatling gun? He made. No, he was. He died in the rescue, didn't he? No, 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 no. Butada died in the, the rescue. The son. Wait, I thought we were Kasumo, talking about no. No, we 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 pivoted to the. Uh, Guy who trained Tom Cruise oh, what about the fuck how was his oh, name. Okay. Uh, I think he made it to the Gatling gun, but died early or something. I think he got hurt in the fight before, but he took out like that's all right, ten people yeah, or whatever. He was great. Yeah, I'll, I'll br- bring him up again because there's a historical reason to do it. Cool. Well, all right. As the Imperial Army marches to crush the rebellion, a grieving Katsumoto contemplates seppuku, but Algren convinces him to fight until the end and joins the samurai in battle. The samurai use the Imperial Army's overconfidence to lure them into a trap and deprive them of artillery support. The ensuing battle inflicts massive casualties on both sides and forces the Imperial soldiers to retreat. Knowing that Imperial reinforcements are coming and defeat is inevitable, Katsumoto orders a suicidal charge on horseback. During the charge, the samurai break through Bagley's line. Bagley is killed by Algren, but the samurai are quickly mowed down by Gatling guns. The Imperial captain, previously trained by Algren and horrified by the sight of the dying samurai, orders all of the guns to cease fire, disregarding Omura's orders. A mortally wounded Katsumoto commits seppuku with Algren's help as the soldiers at the scene kneel in respect. This is a very emotional and powerful sequence. You about to ruin it? Uh, well, no, <laughs> not, not really. Okay, um, good, because I actually really enjoyed this. Uh, so, some parts, yeah. some parts of it, I might ruin. But I mean, everybody kneeling may have been a little Hollywood, but uh, the, the, I, the, I thought it was a, I thought it was a nice moment. The Bagley killed by Algren was a good uh, Xerxes getting uh, getting the spear to his cheek moment. Yeah, he just fucking threw a katana through his chest. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's fucking how katanas awesome. work. 
No, it's but totally <laughs> how they work because it was cool. I mean, that's the fine. whole movie is rule of cool. Rule of cool. Yeah, ninety percent of this. Movie. I mean, he kind of has to be rule of cool because there's so many other problems with it. I mean, he had to kill Bagley, right? That was kind of a smoking gun from the first act, a little bit. Yeah, he had a little <laughs> Chekhov's there. Yeah, and that's how you feel that there was like something to this final battle. That there was like some good thing that came from it. Is mm-hmm. that that fucking guy died? Yeah. Um, also, uh, not to get all Mason on you, but historically <laughs> speaking, no. Um, I liked. I, 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 I share your instinct that the kneeling may have been a little cheesy, mm-hmm. um, but one thing uh, from the YouTube video, you know, that kind of outlined how this was all really different. It said kind of the one thing that is that was similar is that after you know this samurai rebellion that really did not work out well for anybody. Spoilers to the trivia um, section. People were kind of moved enough uh, by the whole uh, situation that they just, I don't know, they like officially incorporated elements of Bushido into like mm-hmm. Japanese culture or something. So I, th- I yep. thought that that, that that part of it was just referencing that like, oh, there was some something changed because of this mm-hmm. yeah. horribly doomed I'm pretty endeavor. sure Takamori was pardoned after after the whole rebellion. But but he was also dead after the whole rebellion. That too. Yeah. Uh, but to also to also continue this, the sword charge actually fucking happened, and like, oh, the, the, this this is actually did it work out extremely well? I uh, know it probably uh, worked out as well as it did in the movie. So yeah. so um, sort of reverse uh, Katsumoto uh, Katsumoto's real life analog Saigo Takamori actually died before this, hmm. um, so it wasn't like committing seppuku at the end. Um, the the story behind it is that uh, he committed seppuku. Um, he committed seppuku in, during the battle. It's rumored that he probably got shot, and then one of his uh, second in command, which would have been whoever the analog was for the character we were talking about before, mm-hmm. um, cut off his head to preserve his honor. But then that guy led a charge, swords drawn against, well. Gatling guns and they all the remaining ex samurai got mowed down but the sword charge did actually happen there at the end yeah I mean I don't think they killed anybody in the second charge anyways I think they everybody was up on the hill yeah well after after they after Bagley's line I guess yeah yeah and really I don't think many people died in that they just kind of jumped over it they just he killed Bagley and then just kept going right uh he got through well I mean he did kill Katsumoto well, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Anyways, uh, days later, as trade negotiations conclude, Algren, though injured, arrives and interrupts the proceedings. He presents the emperor with Katsumoto's sword and asks him to remember the traditions for which Katsumoto and his fellow samurai died. The emperor realizes that while Japan should modernize, it cannot forget its own culture and history. He promptly rejects the trade offer. When Omura attempts to protest, the emperor silences him by threatening to seize the Omura family assets and distribute them among the populace. While various rumors regarding Algren's fate circulate, Graham concludes that Algren had returned to the village to reunite with Taka. So, uh, I didn't explicitly mention this before, and I just read this part where he reunited with Taka. Uh, I do think it is weird that it's he extremely weird. killed her husband in battle, and it's like, all right, you're my new murder husband now. That's her only purpose in this movie, right? Is just to bang this guy. I mean, yeah. I know it doesn't imply that she's like obligated to accept him as her husband. Like, quite the opposite. It yeah. seems like it's very awkward, but she does fall in love with him. I mean, it's good that a really handsome man killed her husband, because otherwise, yeah, what no. would she have done? It's great that he's so fucking well, the, hot. Well, this whole village. 
village. They don't have sons or, or husbands anymore. Like, there's, only <laughs> the there's only one woman in the village. There's only one woman, and the is. white man gets the woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh no. The recap. The recap here says return to the village to reunite with Taka. But I think the actual line that Timothy Spall's character is doing in his narration is that. He returned to the village because that's where he found peace or whatever. Yeah. And whether or not you think that means banging Taka is on you. <laughs> the movie, the movie seemed to imply banging I mean, Taka. They did kind of push a little bit of a implied romance. A little bit. They made out, man. They kissed just, a little. Like, I thought that was the weirdest part. Not like, I don't know. The situation's weird. I hate, I don't hate romance being in a movie because i like romances but i hate when it's like there in a way where you're like now we gotta have a romance but you don't but it doesn't make any sense you don't give it any time once her ag- character makes no sense has no arc once again we're talking about fetishization on? mostly kind of what like the, the romance in edge of on? tomorrow well yes yes we'll get like, to that just, later just you know, give it future episode give it some time and write it to make sense and maybe there's a different person in the village that he falls in love with or maybe there's like a reason that she falls in love with him other than like, wow, what a handsome man this guy who killed my husband is. Oh, God. Thank God Tom Cruise killed my husband. And like, are the kids ever mad that he killed their dad? Oh, no. Uh, they're they, very, were, they were pretty happy with him from the start. That's No, they were very <laughs> shifty towards him at the be- very beginning. One of them was. I mean, the other one was four? I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean. All the kids fair, bang him, too. Like, what the fuck? That's not true. Okay. <laughs> that would be a much different movie. All right, so I have a question, guys. Yeah. Are the samurai the bad guys in this? Are they the baddies? <laughs> I mean, are they're basically... So which war are we talking about? Because that's how I think about this. Okay. Because there are two different wars in this. So when I first watched the movie, I was like, I don't know. Like, why... Uh, again, this is why uh, part of my problem with, you know, them doing exact parallels between the uh-huh. the you know Indian American wars um and this situation is that you know one of those is very like imperialists you know gunning down native people whereas this was like this seemed more like a conflict within a culture well okay so it fused two conflicts to kind of erase one of the more imperialistic conflicts within the culture right like like if we're talking about what's actually going on within the history that that's probably part of the problem here is that one of them was much more, okay, so the imperialist side has a particular dog in this race, and that's why they're supporting the shogunate side versus the Meiji side, versus the Satsuma Rebellion, which was absolutely a conflict within the culture. But no, wait, which is the one that's not within the culture? What, did you just say the shogun versus the emperor? I mean, that, the, the, that's still a conflict within the culture, right? Well, it, it was a conflict within the culture, but the, the like the imperial, the imperialist side, like the European side, had a dog in that race. They had a very specific side that they were trying to support in that. Okay, so I mean, there, there, were, there was an imperialist aspect to that to that one. That's fair. That, but I mean, that got erased like, in in like in shifting it towards the Satsuma Rebellion. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just you know within the movie, it's weird for me because it seems like it's a split within their culture, and then I'm like, what is it? What was samurai fighting for that was a good thing in the movie? Hmm. And then when you, I mean, again, I'm an expert because I watched a 20 minute YouTube video, uh-huh. but it kind of sounded like the samurai were fighting because they lost a bunch of like, like in real life, they were fighting because they lost a bunch of class privileges, right? Yeah, Which no, that, that, like that, an that even was worse reason. Well, that that was the again, that was the kind of Satsuma Rebellion that was their sort of motivation there. Yeah, they were losing that aspect of the warrior class. That's what was dying out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. Most war movies romanticize one side. 
the side that you're they want you to root for or whatever and most conflicts there's not really a good guy in the war you know so maybe the samurai in real life were maybe both were the baddies in the real life yeah maybe you know? so it was just i mean like, I, even, the samurai weren't the really the good guys i know like, that is it but, i'm like i'm not even saying that the samurai were romanticized which like you know, made them seem like they're good guys when in reality they weren't. But I'm saying like, even if you just, even just within the movie, right? They're basically just like a culturally conservative militia that's fighting a war to give more power to an emperor? Kind of. Okay, so the the way I see it and um, within the movie, within the movie specifically, I, I would say it looks like it's it's a situation where the like the Meiji Emperor and his supporters, whoever they might be, are but by the end of the movie wanting to wanting to modernize but on Japan's terms. And now the the samurai themselves maybe not so much attached to the modernization. But the Emperor does seem to be on that track. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they're fighting against modernization, I guess, which is you know, like they, you know, definitely they've classed the Amora guy as sort of a villain, um, and you know, forcing the samurai to cut their hair and stuff. That's definitely not a good look. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just overall, when I think about like what they're fighting for in the movie, like I'm not sure I can quite come up with anything. And when they're kind of coming up with their reasons for fighting the battle at the end, I feel like it's basically like, well, wouldn't it be better to like die honorably in battle than to have a different death? And it's just like I don't know. Like, is an honor-based warrior culture a good thing or? I mean, or is it a bad thing? Well, so I, I think, again, the, the kind of the problem that we have here is that it's not really what the conflict was about. I mean, that, that's what, so... Yeah, but what the conflict was about was way dumber than that. Well, It was just like, well, we have to pay taxes and we can't kill commoners with impunity, you know. And uh, okay, we don't have so, as much prestige or income as the merchant class now. So, like, within, 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 like, talking about the, and again, that comes to, like, where they're fusing two different conflicts, right? The, like, the Satsuma Rebellion issue um, was definitely an attempt to sort of preserve the samurai class. And I, I like, I get where you're at there. Um, if we're talking about the Boshin War, which would have been, more which would have been before that before which would have been like the restoration of the emperor which is kind of that side of the whole storyline that side that bit in terms of the the actual wars makes sense to me and i think the the part of the problem here is that there's just a clash within just because you're simplifying the conflicts down so much Sort of. I, I feel like they're not really simplifying the conflict that much. I mean, this is mostly meant to to reflect the samurai rebellion aspect of it. And like sure. I said, even if you just look at it just within the bounds of the movie, I feel like it doesn't make sense. But then it's it's even worse once you look at like the actual historical. Con- I'm just thinking, like, yeah. if you made like an American version of this movie, then Ken Watanabe's people would be like a militia living out in you know, Oregon, Oregon or something who wanted, you know, <laughs> I'm glad we wanted, both or, said Oregon. or maybe they would be like Amish people or whoever who are like, we want to keep our traditional ways. And so we're going to go fight the government or something. And, and so we're going to take over this uh, national park uh, building. Yeah. And you yeah, know, yeah. So like, anyway, I just want to plant that seed at the end. Like are the samurais, the baddies? Hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I do see where you're coming from there. 
Although this is speaking to the real baddies. I don't know when I think about like the actual story here, I, I don't know if you could tell like a satisfying Hollywood story out of it. Um, if you did, Admiral Perry would have to be the baddie. Um, one great thing I learned from this YouTube video is that, you know, Japan had this whole like isolationist policy and then apparently our America's Admiral Perry just fucking rolled up and he's like, Hey, you better open your ports or I'll be back in a year and it'll be an invasion. <laughs> and so yeah. that, that was their whole decision. It's like these, the Omura people, they're pushing and, and he even, refers to this in the movie they're pushing for we need to globalize now and they're the ones who are saying we need to globalize on our terms because we need to you know hire all these people and have a modern army so that fucking admiral perry can't come push us around whenever he wants right. to yeah. um which you know they got there i'm we, not sure that they used it for good reasons but yeah not, but not they got the, the, the way the movie the movie made it seem it seemed like that the omara people were actively in like trying to get like actively in league with imperialist powers, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah, it, it, it that comes with the territory of sort of romanticizing and rewriting a whole section of history. Yeah. Well, okay. On that note, let's get into some fun facts and background info about the Last Samurai. So The Last Samurai was made on a budget of $140 million. It made $456.8 million Jesus in the Christ. box office. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that beat out Mission Impossible 2. I'd have to go back and check. I cannot remember. It was close. Mission Impossible 2 is the best. Yeah, it's close. That's a lot of money. But uh, critically, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, why? 66%, 83% from the audience, user audience. Metacritic, 55 from critics, 78 from the user audience so uh little lower on both ends on metacritic yeah uh that's kind of fair it's more of a popcorn movie it's not really a critic movie yeah and, i mean you know critics critics are kind of like you mason they love their historical accuracies in movies so that probably rubs some critics the wrong way so shout out to kid watanabe though for turning a popcorn movie role into a fucking oscar nomination he, he really did and like yeah, he kid was watanabe was great good there were I a lot of think he's the best part of this movie <laughs> i think i'd say so i mean tom cruise was great too but kid yeah. watanabe was definitely the more i guess oscar worthy role yeah, yeah. there were a lot movie. of great performances in this movie i thought yeah but. no uh, over overall I think pretty well acted. I'd say so. In I don't I can't really think of anyone who stands out as being yeah. bad. I mean, ta- well, I'm sure we'll get to this in our checklist based movie analysis. But Taka wasn't given much to do. Sure. But you know, I didn't think she was bad by any means in the yeah I two think, lines she had in the movie. But uh, I think my problems with this movie are more with the writing than they are with any of the performances because they got mm-hmm. a lot of great performers and they all did their jobs extremely well. Yeah, uh, stunt wise, uh, Tom Cruise actually did learn sword fighting, Japanese style sword fighting. Of course, Damn he, did. Right um, he did. Also, not really a stunt, but worth note, he also did learn some Japanese, probably not fluently. No, I that's would assume, a stunt. Uh, but he did take Japanese language lessons, which you know I think came across. I don't yeah. see any. I didn't see any flaws, and I mean I don't know Japanese, but it, it sounded right. It sounded good. I mean, sure. I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming it was it was accurate. To, I don't know. I I don't. I'd have to ask a Japanese speaker to watch the movie and let me know. But also, yes, running. Domo running. arigato sensei. 
Yeah, it wasn't that. It wasn't yeah. like the end of Inglorious Bastards level of Italian. It was actually like sure incredible. But yes, running, lots of running. War movie running. Yeah. Is seducing stuff. a war widow a stunt? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, uh, on that note, checklist space <coughs> movie analysis time. All right, Should let's be quick. do it. Were Should there two women? No. No. Nope. Not, well, okay. I mean, there was some geisha. There was some geisha. Actually, just were there two women, and we're not getting to the name part yet, yes. Okay, there were funny. some background there women. Some, <laughs> there were some geisha there. Were there. Some background women. T- haven't we said that background? I mean, maybe th- there were those two count. geishas that uh, Timothy Spall was photographing. Those were the people I was thinking of. There was that woman who looked very concerned when he was pointing a rifle at the crowd. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in terms of like, yeah, like in, like bigger female. No, there weren't. But they did not have about. names. Only yeah. one of them had a name. It uh, fails so regardless. Yes, two women. No name. No talking to each other. Definitely not. Not about a man. Um, no, definitely not about a man. Yeah. Um, no, not not about a man. Uh-huh. Definitely not not about a man. Sure. Uh, they didn't talk to each other, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, sexy lamp? Yes. She is. Sexy yes. Yeah. She's a, I thought you meant yes as in past. No. Yes as in she is a text, textbook sexy lamp. Could a sexy lamp ask for him to leave her house? Yeah, no. Sexy lamp. Did he sexy. actually leave his house when she no. asked him no. to do that? No. So yeah, sexy so lamp. there we go. She didn't even move the plot forward. She didn't her. even ask him specifically. She asked someone else to have him leave her house. Yeah. Uh, Mako Mori, she doesn't have a character arc. No. Uh, I think maybe. Uh, no, she has a character arc. It's mm-hmm. learning to love him. Not really, yeah, well, but it has to be independent of a man. Yeah, so. I, yeah I'm aware of that. Just... <laughs> no, you made me think for a second. I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, she did learn to love the man who killed her husband. Like, that was definitely... That is an arc. It is an but arc. But it's, it's not, not separate from a man, arc. so... Yeah, it's definitely not uh, separate. And it's definitely more about sporting his. Uh, anyway, Unsung Heroes. Mm, unsung Heroes. Uh... I mean, I was going to say Kim Watanabe, but is he really unsung? He's extremely sung. <laughs> So, Can watch the Oscar nomination. Very for this. sung. Um, you know, whoever I guess whoever taught Tom Cruise the uh, the sword fighting and the Japanese language. Yeah. Um, also, you know what? All the people who played uh, peasants who had who had to run in that fight. I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say the guy, the one we were talking about, the one who hated Tom Cruise a little longer so than everybody else. We don't even know his character's name. And he was really yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. The uh, basically the Zebulon. No. The the head. Of the military aspect of it. Whatever. The one who taught him how to fucking fight in Katana in, in yeah. the movie. The number yeah. two samurai warrior. Yeah, he was yes. fucking awesome. Like, he was a badass. He was probably my favorite one. Great. Every time you see him, he's like fighting three ninjas. And yeah. great. I'll also shout out uh, Nobu. Nobu. Nobutada? Yeah, I think they just called him Nobu a lot. But yeah, I mean, I said before, I really liked his character. I thought he was fun. He was, he was entertaining. He, he was one of the first people to be kind of cool with Tom Cruise. So, you know teaching him Japanese and shit, you know. Also, that scene where he's just shooting arrows with his hair, like, flowing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty badass shot. Yeah. Was, was awesome. With his fucking massive fucking bow. Yeah. yeah it's great. It's great. No, and uh, and uh, speaking of, big uh, big shout out to the historical samurai whose main weapon was the bow. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, my unsung hero is, uh, was it Zebulon? Zeb? <laughs> Zebulon. Uh, Zebulon. It really was. I mean, that guy... Billy Connolly. Holy everybody. shit. Billy <laughs> Connolly was in this you know, movie. Your friend, your drunk, 
PTSD ridden friend comes up to you and he's like, "You want to go to Japan and like?" I mean, train he's an definitely army? my Lestat. And you're like, "Sure, <laughs> hell I mean, yeah!" If you uh, if you want to know another movie, Billy Connolly was in that you may not realize he was the the dad of the two brothers in Boondock Saints. Oh, okay. Oh, well, so right. you know. Oh, I thought, I thought he yeah. looked. I thought he looked familiar, and when I looked it up, I'm like, "Oh, yeah, it's fucking Billy Connolly." All right, cool. Okay, he, yeah. he's not as Irish in this one. <laughs> well, he was pretty Irish. <laughs> I mean, he was Scottish. Yeah, that's uh, same thing. Yes. Wow! Scottish. Wow! That's <laughs> insulting to an entire like country of people. Both of you should secede from is UK it re- region, rather not. I guess not technically yeah. country right now. Which one of them is it insulting to? Just kick England out of the maybe EU. a little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> I agree. Just um, kick England out and stay in the EU. Scotland and Ireland, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Lestats and Louis. Oh, Billy Connolly. Lestat. <laughs> there we go. Absolutely Lestat. My Lestat is Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe. We've already shouted well. him out a lot, but you wouldn't you don't have to be as good as he was in that role. My Lestat yeah. is Tuka. He was great. Yeah. Yeah, my Lestat is Tuka's tail hitting the mic so that <laughs> yes. we'll always uh, have mediocre sound is... quality of <laughs> Well, if you keep petting him, he's gonna keep wagging his tail. Anyway. He wags um, it no matter what. I mean, I guess my Lestat would probably be my same as my unsung hero. Be that one, you know, badass samurai dude. Yeah, he was a pretty good. Beat Lestat. the shit out of Tom Cruise a few times. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, my Louis is Wormtail. Um, I don't like his character design. I'm sure the actor did well enough, but I also didn't feel like the character was important for how much weight they sure, gave him. Yeah. Uh, my Louis. I think is, my Louis is Taka. Oh, you stole Taka. it. I was yeah, going to say Taka. <laughs> Pretty sad. Oh no, my husband died. Oh no, I have this hot man in my house. Oh no. <laughs> Whatever will I do? No, stop helping me with oh, no, I'm Tom the old, Cruise. I'm the only woman in this village and quit I have ye- to deal quit, with Tom Cruise. Oh, quit yelling at quit yelling to bring you Saki. Saki! 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 Well, I'm gonna cut that out. Whatever that was. Saki. Well, anyways, it's like Mason, it's your turn. Oh, um, well, <laughs> shit, do y'all have any any uh, books or movies you would like to request people uh, view and or read related uh, to this? I've been watching Cheer on Netflix. It's a six-part docuseries about a community college cheer team. That sounds really dumb, but it's not. It's very heartwarming. It's the feel-good docuseries of the year. All right. uh, you end up rooting for every goddamn one of those kids. And for you guys, they're from Navarro College, which is not too far from us. Oh, nice. They're yeah. apparently like a nationally renowned cheer team, which is unusual for a junior college. All right. Cool. Uh, I'm going to recommend Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa. If you want to watch you a... You mean the Clone Wars episode? No, uh... Uh, if you want to watch a historically accurate depiction of samurai, since that was a big topic of discussion here, that one yeah. is more so. Do you mean um, the episode of The Mandalorian? No. Uh, yes. Also, in case some of y'all don't know what Andrew's doing with this bit, is that uh, <laughs> George Lucas based a lot of Star Wars on Akira Kurosawa's work, specifically The Hidden Fortress, but I'm assuming... Seven Samurai was probably part of that as well. Do you mean mm-hmm. the Magnificent Seven? Yes, yes. I, yes, I mean the Magnificent Seven. Do you also mean the reboot of the Magnificent Seven? I actually mean the Ridiculous Six. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Has anybody rebooted Seven Samurai yet? It seems like you should do that. Seven Samurai? I, mean, I believe they the called it 47 seven. Ronin. No. I, I don't. <laughs> I feel like it's just, it's just like a really wealthy town that can hire 47 mercenaries to protect them. There's no conflict the whole movie. Yes. I mean, you get you get a lot of homages and like story elements from Seven Samurai, but I don't think anyone's actually made a full-on reboot of Seven Samurai, which I am a fan of because mm-hmm. I'm generally 
not huge on reboots, and we've gotten a little ridiculous with those so far. So, the, oh, the ridiculous six. That's what you're into. God damn it! <laughs> I haven't seen that, and I never will. God, uh, it's Adam Sandler doing stupid Adam Sandler, and it has Taylor Lautner in it, and Rob Schneider. I'm out. I'm out on that one. Have you guys seen Adam Sandler's speech from the Independent Spirit Awards? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah they, didn't they show that at the Oscars? Uh, when we were they there? did. While we were there, we said that we saw that at oh, the Oscars. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, I we watched it on my that. phone beforehand, and then they re-showed it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, anyways, Mason? Uh, and I'm going to suggest people watch uh, Samurai Champloo, because it's a good fucking anime. Um, also watch Haikyuu if you like volleyball. Oh, uh, okay. Or well, don't, because I don't like volleyball, but it was really good. Anyway. <laughs> uh, and then also, I, I just want to I, I want to take a moment... And I want to read something to y'all. Oh no! Yeah, and uh, I want I want you to tell me which Tom Cruise movie it reminds you of the most, and which one would seem most accurate for depicting this. Uh, okay, so to help and support to help support and employ these men in 1874, Saigo established a private academy in Kagoshima. Soon, 132 branches were established over the prefecture. The training provided was not purely academic. Although the Chinese classics were taught, all students were required to take part in weapons training and instruction in tactics. Um, eventually, conflict was set off uh, as as the uh, Japanese government sent in people to confiscate the weapons of these academies. Hmm. Oh my god, it's TAPS! Yeah, no, the Satsuma Rebellion was absolutely TAPS. <laughs> it was literally TAPS. Well, there you go. <laughs> they, That's great. They set it off because they... Like the the very specific thing, like there were there were uh, police sent from Tokyo to investigate some shit, and some people from these academies took them hostage and tortured them to make them say that they were going. Uh, well, okay, it's a little bit more dark than Taps, uh, but they tortured them. Samurais until, with the baddies. They tortured them until they admitted that they were there to assassinate uh, Saigo, and then press Saigo into leading a revolt. Yikes. Yep. That it's, ain't it, Chief. It's taps. <laughs> it's taps, but worse. <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise, he connects everything. <laughs> All right, so some trivia here. Uh, the swordsmith in the village is actually a real swordsmith named Shoji uh, Yoshihara. He is a Mukansa-level master swordsmith, which is one of the highest rankings in Japan. So that was pretty cool. It's probably him actually making swords there on set huh. in the actual way so that's pretty badass there nice. um this not only marks the first time ken watanabe starred an american-made movie but it's also the first time he spoke english in a movie thanks ken and his first and i guess last as of this recording oscar nomination so you know big big movie for mr watanabe yeah uh, Tom Cruise spent almost two years in preparation for this movie, including swordplay instruction and Japanese language lessons, as we discussed earlier, because uh, that's what Tom Cruise does. Uh, Tom Cruise narrowly escaped potentially fatal injuries after a sword was swung within one inch of his neck while filming. Uh, he and his co-star Hiroyuki Sanada, who I believe actually is the one that we were talking about, the uh, mm-hmm. the cool yeah that one that one that we've been talking about we're acting out a sword fight scene when the incident happened sonata swung a sword at cruz who was on an off-camera mechanical horse at the time but the machine reportedly malfunctioned and failed to duck at the right moment sonata stopped the blade just one inch from his neck oh shit i like to think that's the cut they used in the movie yeah no i mean you would think yeah that's that part where he swings the sword at him and does stop one inch from his neck and he just doesn't react like, because that's how Tom Cruise do. Badass. Yeah. But the mechanical horse didn't duck. Yeah. I have a feeling the real life reaction to that was like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> or that. Yeah. Um, this one's pretty crazy. This movie made more money at the box office in Japan than it did in the United States. Wow. Which, for a Tom Cruise movie, is pretty... Well, that's impressive. That's pretty impressive. So, um, that's what I was saying. I think, you know, Japan seemed into it. I mean, you cool. Um, Again, like like I was saying at the beginning, I don't speak for Japan in this. It's just, <laughs> like, historically enough. inaccurate. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm a cultural expert on Japan after the 20-minute YouTube video that I watched in preparation for this discussion. Okay, cool. sure. Uh, this was filmed in New Zealand, and while there, Tom Cruise stayed in Oakura, and the filming brought over $50 million to the local economy in the Taranaki region of New Zealand. Ah, yes, New Zealand, the Japan of Australia. I mean... I guess. They've got all the hills and shit. New Zealand's a pretty popular filming location. It is. Uh, Shout out to Lord of the Rings and probably other movies that I can't think of right now. Uh, Historically, the only Westerners fighting in the Japanese Civil War were French military advisors under Jules Brunet, who was kind of what... Jacques Cousteau? Kind of what Nathan Algren was based on, who joined the Shogun's army. Even if most of them were fighting with French equipment, some, like Eugene Kalash, wore samurai attire. Uh, Eugene Kolachi? Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> the real-life counterpart to Katsumoto, played by Ken Watanabe, is Takamori Saigo, who led a samurai rebellion in 1877. As in the movie, Saigo ended up committing suicide in September 1877 after defeat in battle. The Emperor's attitude in this movie toward Katsumoto's struggle and death reflects actual Japanese popular sentiment towards Saigo, who, though defeated, was regarded as a hero. A statue of Saigo was erected shortly after his death and can be seen today in Ueno in northeast Tokyo. Yes, and Saigo is referred to as the last true samurai. Yeah, there you go. Uh, which, also, which, hey, that's the name of the movie. Which also, I did read another trivia here that now that you brought that up, uh, the last samurai in this movie... Um, popularly is like think people are thinking it's tom cruise's character mm-hmm. but actually when they say the last samurai samurai is plural it's f- referring to the entire village of samurai so yeah. just a little little yeah so anyways uh that's all i got any uh, any other things y'all want to shout out nothing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. particular uh nope we did this part already Oh, okay, cool. Uh, that's all we have. Join us next time when we watch Collateral. I'm Donovan Bruce. If you like this episode, please rate us uh, five stars on um, not just Apple Podcasts, because other podcast systems do do ratings. Just whichever one you're listening on. Uh, rate us five stars, please. Yes, uh, and check out our letterbox for our Tom Cruise movie rankings and other general movie stuff. <laughs> I'm Andrew Mount. For our website, go to gcatsmedia.com. That's G as in gravy, catsmedia.com. One more time, gcatsmedia.com. And I'm Mason Kuzmich. Uh, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Our Twitter account is at cruisinitpod. That's at C-R-U-I-S-I-N-I-T-P-O-D. And you've been listening to Cruising It. Anyways, y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? I need to click the show notes. Y'all ready for this? 
This is not the first time we've done this, is it? No, it's like not. So. Okay. There's no. no way. Including the part where we just go into an endless loop <laughs> y'all, while Donovan y'all... is waiting to start the episode. <laughs> Pretty sure I did it five times the last time y'all did it. Yeah. <sighs> I love it. I love it. And then you stopped, and then he kept going, and I'm just staring at him. It's like sometimes I listen to our episodes, and I'll make a comment in my head, and then I'll make it. Yeah. Like on the podcast, and I'm yeah. like, consistency. <laughs> I appreciate that.